Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Diamond 750, a page and podcast dedicated to all things baseball here on the platform of 1029thegame and 1029thegame.com. I'm Judah Newby. Today we go to Omaha, Nebraska on the Thursday before the College World Series gets underway. George Horton, head coach of Oregon Ducks Baseball. He's there, and he joined us from Omaha this afternoon. Going to ask him about some of the teams in the field. Of course, he played for Cal State Fullerton, and he coached them to a national title in 2004. His first trip to Omaha was back in 1975. I'm going to ask him about that experience and what the experience overall is like in Omaha this time of June. Plus, David Peterson being drafted 20th overall to the Mets this week. I'll ask him about David's progression. And I'm also going to ask Coach about his future at University of Oregon. His contract is expiring coming up this September. He has some really interesting quotes to say about that in the latter half of the podcast. Without any further ado, a big thanks to George Horton. And here's the interview on Diamond 750. Fastball to Morrall. Hit in the air. Just straight away right. Andrews. Cal State Fullerton has done it. They've gone from 15 and 16, the champions of college baseball. And pleased to be joined now by George Horton, the head coach of Oregon Ducks baseball, just finished his ninth season in Eugene. 20th overall as a Division I head coach, and he's joining us from Omaha as we speak. Understand that, Coach, you got in there earlier this morning. You've been to Omaha many times during this portion of June, including I think your first trip was in 1975. Can you describe for us what the environment and what the atmosphere is like in Omaha this time of year? Oh, I, I just I think it gets better and better every year that we come. Uh, obviously, uh with modern technology and the excitement and moving it from Rosenblatt to downtown has uh, opened up some, some avenues to, to make, put a little more glitz and glamor on it, not necessarily make it better than the neighborhood uh, environment at Rosenblatt. It was unique and special in its own right. And uh, still get chills thinking about driving up in the bus on that stadium up on the Hill and the iconic part of that. Certainly great memories, but, uh, uh, I think moving downtowns provide a lot of uh, opportunity for the fans to stay in hotels, to walk around, to enjoy the environment, uh, and not have to do it in somebody's backyard or front front yard. Or uh, the parking situation is obviously a lot better. And uh, the stadium's unbelievably uh, uh, iconic itself in, in a modern way, and and they've added some amenities around the stadium in the downtown area. So it's spectacular. I. Uh, I been a long time since 07 that we've been there and i'm uh it kills me every time i come here without my team <laughs> yeah i've not i haven't had the pleasure of going to omaha this time of week myself yet but whenever i talk to people that that have gone and uh, ask them about their like recreational time there you know the the food the eats the the area there it, it's uh it's arguably second to none, although there's probably a lot of Midwest cities that you know, will, claim, will stake their claim to good barbecue or, or good food. But do you have, at this point, your favorite spots that you like to frequent when you go to Omaha now this time? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot of... Uh, Casio's back in the day in 75, I thought it was the best steak I ever had eaten in my life. <laughs> uh, and and the, the Omaha beef and the steaks here in town is 
is what it's known for. There's a place called Drovers outside of town yeah. that the locals go that uh, my two son-in-laws are going to join me tomorrow after I do some committee work, and uh, we've got reservations at, at Drovers tomorrow and, and certainly uh, uh, driving by the zoo, going by the old uh, Rosenblatt, Zesto's, having a milkshake at Zesto's, although it's not the same being right across the street from Rosenblatt. Uh, and just kind of taken up uh, in the environment. You know, you mentioned great food and uh, the tailgate part of that. Uh, whenever the LSU Tigers are involved in the College World Series, uh, those guys really know how to tailgate. So I'm sure we're going to have some uh, great Cajun food uh, in, the, in the next three days. That is how it is done. You've got a good plan in front of you. Wow. I, uh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about that. Um, so you're, are you going to stay to see any of the games as they open up this weekend, or what's kind of your schedule like? I know, obviously, you're part of the uh, the committee with the American Baseball Coaches Association with, with the awards that are being handed out, um, but what's your kind of schedule like? Yeah, the first day and a half, uh, we roll our sleeves up, and just uh, starting at 3 o'clock today, Omaha time, we'll start uh, with seven other uh, regional chairs. I'm, I'm the Western Regional Chair, and We've already selected our own region teams from the respective regions around the United States, and it'll be our charge to get together and try to do our best job to, to identify the ABCA Rawlings uh, All-Americans. Uh, and uh, obviously, there's great athletes and, and a lot of hard work trying to get it right and listening to the respect that we have for each other. And, and hopefully, at the end of the day tomorrow, about noonish, we'll have invested about. Uh, uh, 16 hours of work, and, and hopefully we get it right. And then uh, then it's uh, taken in the, you know, it's unique because they got us in here a little uh, day early this year, and so I really have a day to hang out with my son-in-laws and uh, go to the opening ceremonies and go down to the tents and all the things that uh, the vendors and, and uh, buy some stuff for the family and mm. spend a whole day without really anything happening and, and then, yes, the answer is we've got tickets for the first two games. So, uh, And then we'll head home on Father's Day because we're all uh, off children at home. So uh, the unique thing this year is that uh, I get to see Oregon State, you know, certainly from the Pac-12 and a team we're very familiar with. And uh, what a terrific year they have. They're playing my old school, Cal State Fullerton, in the very first game. So uh, what a great opportunity to, to watch two great programs go head-to-head and uh, the Cal State Fullerton staff is uh, three of the four coaches are guys that I coach. So uh, it'll mean a lot to me, you know, watching uh, the excellence of the Beavers, and representing the Pac-12, and going against my old team and Rick Vanderhoek, who played for me and coached with me for, for over 20 years. There's a, there's a couple of uh, college baseball experts, if you will, that like this matchup for Fullerton, like the way that they play outfield defense, obviously like their pitching because it seems like Fullerton has strong pitching every year. And uh, if there was a team that could de- take down a 54-4 and Pat Casey-led Oregon State squad, it could be this Fullerton squad. Obviously, you know Rick Vanderhoek well. Uh, you, guys are, you guys are close, and it's a program, the dynamics of which you know very well, having played there and, of course, coached there and won a national title there, as you said. Uh, what can you – what in your mind is in favor of Fullerton – um, or what are their strengths? If they are able to compete and maybe win this opener with Oregon State, what is it um, that they do well? Well, they've got some guys that have been uh, tested. They've been through the, the war, so to speak, and they, they had a 
subpar year from Fullerton standards that they didn't win the Big West Conference. I, I say that because they're perennial champions uh, and have been for a long time, not to disrespect anybody else in the in the pack uh, in the Big West, and including Long Beach State that had a terrific year this year. And two, two of their assistant coaches actually played for me, Danny Rickaball, their pitching coach, and Greg Bergeron went back to my junior college days at Cerritos. And, uh, and so uh, I got to see the Super Regional between uh, Long Beach and, and Fullerton, and uh, you know, the two teams mirrored each other. And, you know, one team had to win the last game 2-1. to one, And, uh, you know, I think the thing that works uh, for Fullerton is the quality of their three starters. I think both teams are outstanding uh uh, on the mound, and they're outstanding with their team defense, and, and they execute extremely well, both of them. Oregon State's a little more athletic up and down through the lineup, and so Fullerton is, is going to have to do a very good job of getting leadoff hitters on, getting them in the scoring position, and then getting the clutch hit. Uh, as I said, easier said than done against the quality of the Beavers pitching. Uh, uh, both coaching staffs have been to Omaha uh, many, many times, and Coach Casey's very familiar with this environment. I don't think there's an advantage either way to to the coaching staff having experience or the tradition of the programs. They both expect to play well here. Shoot, Coach, you just broke that down so good for us. Uh, have you ever thought about off-season TV analysis? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had some people ask me that. I've still got a lot of fire in the in the in the boiler, so to speak, to coach and get a team back here, and maybe maybe when uh, I ride off into the sunset if. Uh, if somebody wants my, my services, uh, that I'd be honored to, to, to be on television or radio. Oh, you'd be a natural, no doubt. Let's pivot. Let's use that to pivot to your Oregon Ducks club. Obviously, uh, the last couple of seasons uh, didn't go the way that you wanted, both with uh, a couple seasons ago, there was outright expectation to try to make it to Omaha. Uh, that did not occur, and then this year uh, did not make it to the NCAA tournament, despite there being some really good moments. I mean, I got to watch your club a few times, and uh, certainly impressed, obviously, with Peterson and the season he had, uh, Mercer and the way he came up, Susnara and his leadership behind the plate. A lot of things to like about this year's team, but uh, unable to make it to the tournament. So how do you go about processing and self-evaluating uh, both yourself as a coach and the program as a whole after a season that did not end the way that you wanted it to? Well, it's not a whole lot different than if we were the Beavers or we won the national championship. Each and every year we do what we call a debrief. and We'll sit down with the coaching staff and my extended staff and identify things that we've done well and identify things that we need to get better at. And I think, uh, you know, you, you don't want to be a program that's stagnant. And I've been doing this for 40 years and, each and every year I grow and learn, and uh, sometimes I have new assistants or new staff members that bring things to the table that I think are good ideas, or I learn something from our opponents, so to speak. And, and the, you know, I think you've got to kind of change with the times because of the millennials and the I want it now and the electronic age. Uh, you got to stay up with that, and I, I'm more of an old-school type coach. Uh, you know, certainly we will look at it a little closer uh, this year and probably more, be more susceptible to change because, like you said, we've had a couple crummy years, and uh, that's not acceptable. That's not the standard at the University of Oregon. That's not what I came up to do at the University of Oregon, and uh, we arrived with a, uh, with a splash in the first five years and probably were ahead of the business curve, so to speak, and uh, getting to the playoffs and winning 40 games uh, three out of the first five years, and 
and then we've hit a little bit of a slide. Uh, like you said, the, the future does look good because we, we started as many as five freshmen last year. And besides the, the excellent year years that the, the young men that you mentioned, uh, David Peterson being on five All-American lists, uh, but it, it takes more than one pitcher. It takes a complete offense and defense and a complete pitching staff uh, to, to battle for, for uh, the Pac-12 title and get into the playoffs and, and work your way through regionals and super regionals. So, uh, like I said, it's not, a, it's not a whole lot different than when we have a successful year. Uh, you just have a big uh, crown on your face when you go to uh, break down all the, the pluses and minuses and things that you did well versus things you didn't do so well. Uh, when you end up closing like we did, where, uh, you know, I've, I've all, uh, I challenged my team, and the month of May is uh, the stretch drive in college baseball. And whether it was youth, uh, we weren't getting better, uh, team chemistry, uh, bad breaks, whatever, uh, we were 5-11 and 11 in May. And that's not the way you want to, uh, not, not the kind of record you want in May to, get yourself on the radar for playoff map and, and hopefully uh, have a chance to be invited to the dance. So uh, we've, we've got to finish stronger. We started out, out of the gate very well, but when we got to the, the, the nuts and bolts of our schedule and, of course, the Pac-12 race, uh, we, didn't, we didn't fare so well. Myself being a millennial, can I uh, follow up on what you said just a bit earlier? And what is it about uh, this the nature of uh, my generation as baseball players in this case that uh, makes it a little a little challenging. Are there are there any um, specific examples or certain characteristics of millennial baseball players uh, that you have found to be different from generations prior that make it particularly challenging? Yeah, you know, I think the, the team teamwork concept. You know, I think that you know it's. Uh, uh, kids grow up and with a hitting coach or pitching coach or uh, they're playing on travel teams or bouncing around from team to team. Uh, years ago, I uh, played on one team and you tried to be successful with that one team at different levels, whether it be your high school team or a Connie Mack team or a big league team or a Babe Ruth team or whatever. And you had your neighborhood team and the, uh, you, you tried to go shoulder to shoulder with your teammates to do the best you could to win tournaments. In this day and age, it's more about showcase baseball where they go to tournaments. Uh, and it's probably less about winning the tournament than it is that they, the kids rush home and they want to look on the computer with their parents to find out what college coaches were in the stands and how did I rank uh, based on them. Was I the top uh, shortstop in that particular tournament? So it's less about wins and losses and then it is individual performance. And consequently, you see, uh, you know, even in uh, some of the states, kids are, are walking away from their high school teams to play travel ball because it showcases them and markets them for the opportunity to get a college scholarship. And uh, you do that, it's every man for himself, and it isn't about the team concept. It's very hard for us to watch sometimes the showcases because – a pitcher will come in and he'll throw to five hitters, and it's not about winning or losing or pitching out of jams. He's just showcasing his his stuff and then uh, being ranked. And uh, you know, I, I'd I'd rather recruit a guy based on how he reacts with his teammates, what kind of teammate he is. You know, you, you obviously need talent and ability and you grade out his tools, 
but the emotional part of that is much more significant, in my opinion, to win championships. And so when kids come to us, uh, this is uh, they tend to be a little impatient. Uh, that's the millennial part of it. They, you know, they don't know what waiting for a, a mail letter is, is like. They have to wait a week to get a letter in the mail. Uh, they get an email or a, an Instagram right right away and, or, or Google information right away. And so the patience part of youngsters uh, sometimes goes away, and if they don't get to play right away, then they're disillusioned with the program and they're in your office wanting to transfer. So uh, those are the kind of things that make it a little more challenging. Not impossible. They're, you know, I'm talking like the, the young men are terrible young men. They're not. They're great young men. Uh, they just have to be uh, funneled and, and nurtured more to what's good for the team is it comes first rather than what what's good for each individual. At the start of this conversation, uh, D1Baseball.com released their All-American list, and uh, your junior, David Peterson, got his fifth All-American honor of the season. Of course, he was just drafted 20th overall by the New York Mets, another uh, first-round pick of a player under your tutelage. What kind of development did you see in David this year? Well, it was a big league forward for David. You know, he had great credentials coming in, one of the uh, real gems in our recruiting class this particular freshman year, and he had a, a few hiccups with uh, ingrown toenails and a strained forearm his sophomore year in the fall. and uh, He had uh, bouts of uh, inconsistency. Uh, stuff would show up at like it did consistently this year, electric in, in, in manner. And, uh, but he'd have uh, his bouts where he'd get over-competitive, lose his mechanics, and create more problems for himself. And consequently, his win-loss record his freshman and sophomore year were not uh, uh, conducive to, to the type of stuff and potential that he had. And I, I think it became a perfect storm Um uh, what he pitched on the Team USA team that I coached last summer and was surrounded by uh, uh, 11 to 13 other uh, tremendous pitchers from their respective schools and guys that were had great work ethic and great character and great ability. Uh, so David uh, was a sponge in watching them and learning from them and picking up things by talking with them and being around the likes of Dave Snow and Ted Silva. Uh, both colleagues of mine that were working with the pitching staff on that summer team. And then um, uh, our opportunity to bring coach Jason Dietrich in to be our pitching coach at the university of Oregon, Dave started to put foundation blocks and success things in to place this summer. Uh, was a very focused young man coming in this year. And then the fusion with him and coach Dietrich was a perfect storm and that it, uh, it got him to be, the consistent electric David Peterson and 140 strikeouts and 15 walks uh, speaks for itself on his ability to repeat his delivery and found the strike zone with four quality pitches. Uh, he had a tremendous year and uh, it gives me chills thinking about the fact that he was a 20 pick and he's going to the New York Mets. And, uh, David deserves uh, everything that he gets in his life. Uh, if he wasn't our single best leader on our team, he was, on a short list of the guys that, uh, to a man, every guy, when I asked them in their exit interviews, who would you pick as your leader on your team? It was one of two guys, uh, uh, Jacob Bennett or David Peterson. And so for his career to culminate in uh, all these awards and the fact that he's going to be uh, signed for a whole bunch of money and hopefully on the fast track to the major leagues uh, makes me feel very good about David.
Yeah, it's really interesting to hear how last summer with the U.S. Collegiate National Team played such an important role in his development for this year. That was a banner summer for yourself, Coach, being named the USA Baseball Collegiate uh, or being named the USA Baseball Coach of the Year. Your team went 11-7-1 on that three-country tour, Japan, Chinese, Taipei, and then Cuba, where your squad won on Cuban soil a series. And it was the first time that had happened in USA Collegiate National Team history. What was that summer like? I'm looking at that roster, and it was stacked with talent. Evan White, who just got drafted to the Mariners. Jaron Kendall, of course, with Vandy. Ricky Tyler Thomas had the breakout breakout campaign with you guys last summer. K.J. Harrison of the Beavers. I mean, this is a stacked roster. Evan Skaug, Alex Lang. I mean, guys that are playing in Omaha this weekend. And, of course, David Peterson. Uh, how thrilling was it for you to get a coach a squad like that and, of course, win on Cuban soil, given the relations between the two countries and the history of, of the program in Cuba hadn't been uh, so good until then, and you guys won a series. That must have been a great feeling. Well, it started with just the humbling honor to, to put on the USA uniform and to be the leader of a great, not only a great staff, but representing Paul Seiler and Mike Gatsky and Eric Campbell, who was the administrative leadership of USA Baseball, including what they did in the WBC, and, and then the coaching staff that I had. And You know, it's one thing to listen to the anthem when you're playing a big game and you've got an Oregon uniform on or a Cal State Florida uniform on and your heart's jumping out of your chest because it's a big game. But then you put the USA uniform on and you're playing the national anthem with arguably the best players at that age in America. Uh, uh, what a great honor that was, and a special privilege that was. And, and, and uh, the, the tour was a very arduous, uh, difficult tour. We uh, had a lot of travel, uh, playing in Taiwan and Japan, coming back to the States, and, and then going back to Cuba, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, the, the Cubans uh, were very gracious hosts, but uh, some of their amenities were very difficult, long bus rides and uh the ballparks that we played in, other than uh, Latino Americano, where the Tampa Bay Rays played, we only played one game in that, uh, what they call their Yankee Stadium over there, and uh, four other games in, in respective fields that, that weren't necessarily even uh, top-notch Division One fields. And uh, the, the bus rides on uh, buses that were uh, not the best of buses on roads that weren't the best of roads uh, became uh, very difficult. And, and of course, uh, the, the nutrition and the, and the food over there was challenging to some of our athletes. And so in the selection process, knowing that and knowing what the tour, uh, the difficulties of the tour, part of the objectives were to recruit guys that were uh, leadership-type guys, the guys that weren't whiners and complainers and uh, didn't need uh, to be everything to be perfect in a five-diamond hotel to feel good about playing baseball and uh, that was probably the most surprising thing, as difficult as that tour was, that not one peak from anybody, coaching staff or player, came out uh, doing what I call recruiting misery or recruiting sadness. It was a, uh, an unbelievable 21-day period that we spent uh, doing that. And uh, for our guys to overcome the obstacles, the heat, uh, to be, like you said, to be able to beat Cuba the first time in the fifth game on Cuban soil where uh, the umpiring uh, was not necessarily favorable to the United States of America. We had, uh, we had a lot of things to overcome and, and 
uh, Ricky Tyler Thomas's performance that particular game was most spectacular, and what a great feeling uh, to to see that happen for the administrative uh, leadership of USA Baseball, and for those young men that poured their heart and soul into making that happen. Uh, and like you mentioned, uh, I was watching a lot of the regionals and super regionals, and now I'm here in Omaha and realizing that six of the eight teams have at least one of those players uh, here in the College World Series made me feel good that we selected the right type of uh, leadership and, and winners that was necessary to be successful in the summertime. So uh, it's a, it was a lifetime memory that I'll always cherish and one of the highlights of my career. Have you gotten to talk to John Savage, uh, the UCLA head coach, uh, who gets the nod to lead the national team this year? Or, obviously, Rick Vanderhoek, from what I understand, is going to be a first-time assistant. Yeah, they put together a great staff. Uh, uh, yes, I have talked to John, and uh, he kind of picked my brain about things that I would identify. And Coach knows back on the staff as one of their bullpen coaches. And like you said, Troy Buckley is a good friend of mine. Um Larry Lee is a guy I recruited to go to junior college years and years ago. Wow. And, of course, Rick Vanderhoek, who played for me. So great familiarity with uh, great another great coaching staff they put together. And uh, John was on uh, uh, the USA staff years and years ago with Mike Gillespie. I think it was 1988, that long ago, he was an assistant coach. And uh, so John uh, knows exactly uh, some of the challenges and, things that he will have to undertake although this summer's tour is uh, they don't leave the state so it's a little less arduous as far as the travel is concerned and and some of the challenges that we had to face but uh, the, make no mistake about it international competition is very very difficult so hopefully they'll continue the momentum and uh, that uh, we started and the wbc team uh, uh, added to and uh, we'll see the collegiate national team has a spectacular summer this summer I know your time is limited here, Coach, so I'll, I'll wrap it up with a couple last questions here. But I, I would want to get your thoughts and your memories when you played at Fullerton 75 and 76 under Augie Garrido, who now is a, if you can pardon the pun, a titan of the college baseball game. Playing for him at Fullerton and going to the College World Series in 75, I was reading you were a, a 290 hitter on that squad, two for two in stolen bases. Uh, never, never, no one could catch George Horton on the base pass that year. <laughs> what kind of memories did you have playing for Augie Garrido, you know, at the very beginning of his coaching tenure before he became the legend that he is today? Well, again, what a blessed life I've had. Uh, the fact that I ended up uh, playing in a junior college for a guy named Wally Kincaid, who was, the, uh, in my opinion, the John Wooden of Southern California baseball and influence Augie Garrido as well and uh, the winningest coach in Division One history. Uh, and then I, I matriculated to uh, the University of Hawaii. I got a scholarship there. and uh, It wasn't a good fit for me to get in Hawaii and uh, going to the beach instead of going to class. And uh, the ba- I, didn't, I was disillusioned a little bit with the baseball program back then. So I walked on and left and walked on and, and uh, went to Cal State Fullerton and had the likes of uh, Augie Garrido, Dave Snow, and Donnie Snedden uh, three of the uh, titans, as you said, uh, in their industry, Don Snedden being the winningest all-time junior college, uh, California junior college coach, and Dave Snow built the dirtbag empire that everybody's familiar with. And uh, what a blessing to learn from those gentlemen and 
uh, like I like to say in my coaching career, I'd have to be a blooming idiot and not have to pick up uh, quality things and from their philosophy and the manner with which they taught. And they were great teachers and great human beings and great leaders. And um, I, you know, you have to. I think you have to do it George Horton's way or your own way. But certainly, stealing uh, some of their uh, ideas and personalities served me very well in my uh, the start of my coaching career, and it served me very well over the years. In fact, you mentioned this award that I'm going to get here uh, June uh, 29th uh, from the Golden Spikes Awards Committee and the Dato Foundation. That night, I received the USA uh, Coach of the Year Award. Augie Garrido will be at the same event getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from the same organization, and I just can't wait for that evening uh, for me to get this uh, one summer award but to be there with Augie, my mentor and one of my mentors and the guy that I have a great friendship with and great respect for and for us to be in the in the same award ceremony and getting awards together makes it even more special. And I've been a lucky guy. And our trip back here to Omaha in 1975, all we did was um, – we beat USC at Dato Field uh, in a four-team regional, and they were, at that point, five-time uh, uh, consecutive national champions. And they were in a league of their own, so to speak. And you mentioned all my uh, my uh, statistics: 290 hitter, two stolen bases, probably hit hit about three home runs that particular year. But one of them was against Pepperdine to win the game to get us to play USC, and uh, it you know it. When you only hit three, you can remember them pretty vividly. And I think the one that I hit had yellow paint on it from the top of the fence because it scraped the top of the fence going over the fence. And, uh, but it was off a major league pitcher, and it's uh, something that I'll always remember to be a part of that team, which was a team that had eight Cerritos Junior College players on it. I was the tallest guy in the infield at five foot nine, and uh, it. If you look at the definition of overachieve and the overachieve in the dictionary, uh, that's one of the teams in 1975. In our first year of Division One baseball under Augie Garrido, we went to the College World Series. So, imagine that our very first year of Division One, we went to the College World Series. That is so so special. And then, how about '04? You coach in the College World Series final against Augie Garrido of all people. You're you've got Fullerton back in there looking for the title, and I was I was just uh, revisiting that final series. You're trailing game one of that series, four to three in the seventh inning. Fullerton puts up a three spot, wins the game six to four. In game two, you're trailing two nothing going into the seventh inning. You put up a three spot, win it three to two. So. Both games of that final, you have three run seventh innings to take the lead and eventually hold on to win. And you're a national champion head coach, and you do it by beating your mentor. I mean, as you as you look back on it now, I mean that's that's an incredible experience. What do you uh, what do you take away now from from that being your first national title and uh, doing it in the manner in which you did? Well, it made it more special. I mean, it, uh, you know, we've been knocking on the door, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the College World Series six six of the 11 years that I was the head coach and was fortunate enough to be at the College World Series three years with Augie as an assistant coach out of the six years. And the fact that we ended up uh, playing each other in the two out of three championship series, uh, 
made it even more special. The only negative note to that is uh, my love and admiration for Augie. I, I hated to see the look on his face when they came up short. My hope at that point was that he was uh, very proud of the uh, the monster or the robot or whatever you want to call it that he built at Cal State Fullerton. And we were David and they were Goliath. And uh, when we started out in 75, we were certainly David and USC was Goliath. And, uh, and the fact that he could take a step back and realize that the, old, the whole coaching staff, Cal State Fullerton, including myself, that just got done beating him, he had everything to do with us even being there, you know. And as hard a pill as that was to swallow, hopefully he could be proud of us uh, that we were able to get that done and win a national championship in 04. At his expense, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, when you go against somebody that you have uh, as much respect as I have, Augie Garrido, and you're able to accomplish it, it make, makes it even more special. And, uh, you know, it's an understatement to say it was a lifetime memory. And, uh, about a, about as uh, uh, excited as I've ever been uh, in an athletic event when that, that ball uh, was coming down to our right fielder, Bobby Andrews, for the the third out in the, in the game clinching or the, the series clinching game uh, still gets me goosebumps. What a memory. Coach, I'll let you out on this. Uh, your contract with Oregon set to expire this September. Reports are floating out there, you know, that uh, you've been offered an extension. Uh, obviously, I don't necessarily expect you to comment on that, but can you describe your level of optimism with what's still in front of you with the Oregon program and uh, being in Eugene? Yeah, I fully expect to be the coach next year, and we've got something on the table that I think both sides are very happy about. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the Horton family is very happy about it. I, of course, my coaching staff is very happy about it, and I, I believe the, the players, uh, incoming and uh, returning players, are very happy about it. We've got a lot of work to do, and looking forward to finally, you know, the, it's uh, in the lawyers' hands right now, reading the, the legalese that that I'm not familiar with and making sure that everything's in order. And uh, hopefully in the next uh, several days, uh, we'll make a formal announcement as we've made an informal announcement uh, that uh, I'll, I'll be continuing as the University of Oregon baseball coach. And, uh, what a great honor that is. And like I said, the standard is very high. Uh, the coaches at, in, in all of their sports at the University of Oregon are doing a tremendous job and, I've got to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, and get this thing going back to the national prominence that I uh, went to when I set out on this journey back in uh, 2007. Well, Coach, I uh, certainly was impressed by how fast you got the program back ahead of the business curve, as you mentioned, when uh, you brought it back in 2009. And best of luck as you look to do that once more and get that sucker back to Omaha where you're coaching in the dugout at TD Ameritrade. That would be a lot of fun to see you there. Thanks again so much for taking the time, and I know it's a busy week. Enjoy the time with your family. Enjoy the food. Enjoy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. And, uh, you know, best of luck to your former Titans. I'm sure you'll probably be rooting for uh, Vanderhook taking on the rival Beavers on Saturday. I'm going to take the fifth on that one, but uh, (laughs) thank you, and It should be a great weekend, and it should be a great College World Series, so hopefully everybody will tune in. As well they should. It all gets started Saturday afternoon at 
at noon, Oregon State facing Cal State Fullerton. My thanks to George Horton for being my guest today on Diamond 750. Follow me on Twitter at Judah Newby at 1029 The Game, hashtag Diamond 750, and all the content is posted on 1029thegame.com as well. Thanks to the University of Oregon and Coach George Horton for setting this up. This has been another edition of Diamond 750. Thanks so much for listening.